Hello everyone and welcome to the Questioning Pornography podcast. This is your host Lily and today I'm very excited to be joined by a special guest, Dr. Yan Yan Zhou. So Dr. Zhou, thank you so much for joining us today. My pleasure. So Dr. Zhou very recently completed her doctorate degree at Indiana University. And throughout the many years in which she was doing her graduate work, she's done a lot of research on pornography's various effects. And one of the things she's focused on is how pornography may be influencing aggressive or violent attitudes or behaviors. So her dissertation, which we'll be talking all about today, dove really deep into this question by looking at the cognitive processes of pornography consumption. So essentially, Dr. Joe examined how people's brains respond to varying levels of aggression or violence in pornography and how that may mediate when or if people learn aggressive attitudes and behaviors from watching pornography. So Dr. Joe, why don't you start off by telling us what inspired you to do your dissertation on this topic and design this fascinating study? Yes. Uh, so in fact, it began with the, the, the study, the content analysis uh, I did with Dr. Brian Paul and uh, Nikki Frias. Um, I think you will talk with her later. Yes, that's right. I will be interviewing Nikki Fritz on that content analysis study at a later date. But just for some background for our audience to make sure they understand what you're about to say next, uh, the content analysis study by Dr. Bryant Paul and Nikki Fritz essentially analyzed what percentage of pornography videos on the most popular pornography websites contained depictions of uh, physical aggression or violence. Yes. So in that content analysis, we try to do the largest content analysis in America to analyze uh, the a, a great amount of videos we randomly selected from X, uh, X videos and Pornhub and also some like feminist porn websites and like homosexual LGBT um, uh, websites. So there are a great amount of videos, like more than 3,000 or I think more than 4,000 even. Like, later together. So we cannot do it all by ourselves. That's if we three people analyze so many videos, it will be a nightmare. Mm -hmm. So we need a group of undergraduate students to help us to do the analysis. Then Dr. Brian Paul, he opened a class called uh, the, the Sex on the Internet for three semesters. And uh, uh, Nikki Fritz, she also, uh, she also have her own group because she is, uh, uh, responsible for the feminist part and the LGBT part. So she also have her own group and a whole, oh, her own group of coders to analyze those videos. So you can imagine that what type of uh, undergraduate students will choose this class. Many of them are, yeah, I can watch poor and I can get three credits. That's oh cool. <laughs> yes, yeah, yes. And then it's interesting is that each semester you can see a clear pattern that there are several guys at the very beginning, they, they cannot take it seriously. No matter how you tell them to take it seriously, they cannot. And they're just like, let's watch porn, it's, it's really fun. But that's after like several weeks of coding, they begin to think. And they come to tell me and tell Brian that uh, basically they tell us something, it's like, because you ask us, you teach us how to code, how to report how much violence happened in the porn. And each time, what is the behavior and what is the target, what is, who is the perpetrator, how the target response, how the perpetrator responds to the response, those kind of things. They said that because of that, 
we finally realize how much porn or how much violence are there in the porn. Mm. We ask them to really look at it, analyze it, write it down every time you see it. They finally realize, oh my gosh, how much violence are there in the porn. And we feel bad for the actress and mm. how what they have suffered in the porn. So that's really... Um, inspire my dissertation is that the previous theories when they're talking about the effects of the the porn on people especially on their aggressive thoughts and behaviors uh, no matter what type of theory they use no matter it is like a, a, a co social cognitive social learning theory or the kind of uh, dehumanization objectification theory or like the desensitization theory behind there is the idea of like you see it, you know it, you judge. Oh, I like that. I don't like it. I want to learn from it. I want to avoid that. And it seems like you are conscious of what has happened in your brain. But that continent shows us people don't really realize what they really see when they are watching for. So that makes me feel like I need the first step for me to understand how porn influences the behavior. I need to understand how, influence, uh, how porn influences people's memory and emotion. And that later will contribute to what type of behavior they will do and what they really learn from porn. Because people is not really mon monkey see, monkey do. It is not every time they see a violent video they want to learn from it like i have been watching porn for, for about 10 years uh since i i i, I began my graduate degree mm -hmm. and i still like when i see those hardcore bdsm porn I still feel un really uncomfortable and i still don't have any motivation to learn from it i just don't like it that's not my thing so there must be some more complex mechanism behind that but not just i see it i think it is so good and i want to learn it Awesome. Thank you so much for highlighting those complexities and nuances, Dr. Joe. I find that often it's really easy for concerns about pornography's harmful effects to be kind of caricaturized into something overly simplistic, such as such as what you say. Um, monkey see, monkey do, people always act out what they're watching. And of course, it's obviously not that simple. But there are still legitimate questions to be asked about how porn may influence attitudes and behaviors. So I'm very glad that you dug into that a little more and explored in a more intricate way what that process in the brain can look like of how pornography may influence attitudes and behaviors. Okay, so with that said, why don't we jump into your actual study and the experiment you conducted? So can you tell us what questions were you asking in your experiment? What tests were you running? And what were the results? What were your findings? Okay, so that is a little bit complex. I will try to um, explain it. So in fact, I test three things. One is what is people's emotional response towards the, the, the pornography video they have seen. So it is, they rate how positive it is and they rate how negative it is separately. Because you could feel both positive and negative to the same thing. Yeah, that is one emotion. Second is what we call uh, uh, implicit memory, or we call it the cognitive accessibility. That is the idea of sometimes you see you see something, you memorize it, but in fact you cannot like actively retrieve it, but it is still influence your later behavior. So one example of thinking about those uh, advertisements you see when you are playing games. So sorry, advertisements. Yeah. So when you are playing games. 
there are especially online games, it is very like normal. You see like on the side, there are a lot of like different type of advertisements there. You never really intentionally pay attention to them. If I ask you, hey, when you are playing game, what type of advertisement you have watched? You have no idea. So you cannot really actively retrieve it. But why people put the advertisement there? Because um, it has an implicit influence on you. Mm -hmm. So you kind of memorize it. And uh, the implicit memory means next time when you are uh, in a suitable situation, your brain will be more quickly to access that thing than anything else. So that is why people place those kind of advertisements there. Such as if I put a Pepsi there, it is possible the next time when you want to buy some drink, the Pepsi is more accessible than any other brand of soft drink so yes. that you will go to buy Pepsi. So that is we call implicit memory or that, that's why we call it cognitive accessibility, which mm -hmm. means it is more accessible than other things. So we, uh, we, we also um, uh, measure people's uh, implicit memory towards sexual concepts and the aggressive concepts after they watch porn. And the third thing is we also test the implicit association between sex and the violence. So it's like when people, after watching porn, when people see sex, how easily for them also thinking about violence. So three things we, we tested. And in the uh, experiment, we do a three, we call it three by three by three, by three uh, design, which means we, have, we set three levels of sexual explicitness and the three levels of violent severity. So together there are nine different types of uh, pornography videos. So mm -hmm. the three types of uh, the sexual explicitness, including the, the explicit, implicit, and the foreplay. So in the foreplay is you exactly know there is they, the, the two people just tease each other, they have foreplay, they touch each other, they kiss each other, but you clearly know there's no sexual intercourse happening in that video. The implicit one is, you know, you can infer the sexual uh, intercourse happened, but you didn't really exactly see the, 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 the penetration and the sex organ in the penetration. So one example is two people, they have the doggy style, but you shoot it from the, 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 the front. So you can, you can know that they're, they're penetrating, but you don't really know see the, the penetration and, and, and the, the, the penis and, and the vulva. So the, the, the explicit one is very clear that you see everything. You see mm -hmm. the penetration. You even see the close-up of the, of the penetration. That is more like uh, the, the, the most common porn we, we watched in the daily life. And the three levels of the violence is the high severity, low severity, and the no violence. So no violence means there's no aggressive behavior happen in the porn. The high violence one and the low violence one, uh, we use a previous study, they basically categorize the, the sexual aggression behaviors, such as they, they think choking and like punching is high severity violence. And in the uh, low violence one, there is just like hair pulling and biting and spanking, those kind of things, much, much uh, light. And we also control that the video will be two minutes and the violent behavior happens at every 45 seconds and the uh, uh, 10 seconds and one minute and one minute 45 seconds. And each time the violent behavior will be 10, uh, 10 seconds. 
So it means like in the two minutes video, uh, the violent behavior, if it happens, happens three times and together around like 30 seconds. So we show the each, each participant watch only one video. And then after the video, we show them the, the, uh, the uh, we measure their, the, the metrics I, I just talked about before. And we compare to see that what is the difference between that, that we assume that there will be some difference because they, they see different videos. And it is very interesting. So first we found that the, the, low, the low severity violence is kind of like we assumed before, it's kind of very easily to be ignored <laughs> by the participants. So for example, that when people respond like how positive and negative they, they feel about the pornography video, they show that they have a low positive and high negative response to the high violence video. But they didn't there's no difference between the low violence one, low severity violence one and no violence one, which means like those two videos for them are the same positive and the negative. So the low, low severity violence has been ignored. And also, we also found like um, the low severity violence also doesn't influence uh, either male or females uh, implicit memory towards a sexual concept. So again, in the memory, it also has been ignored, right? And also it doesn't really influence, especially it doesn't influence males implicit association between sex and violence. So we can say that the low severity violence is kind of People see it, but people don't really kind of process it. No, they don't really process it. Okay, if you don't mind, I'd like to pause there and just talk about the implications of that. Um, if people's brains are essentially just ignoring the low severity violence, what does that mean? Does that mean that the low severity violence is not going to influence their attitudes and behaviors if their brain just dismisses it? Or is there a different potential explanation you'd like to propose for that? Uh, at this moment, we don't know. There, there are a lot of possibilities. So thinking about like in, in, in our study, the first, we found like the low violence porn is not like, really like memorized, right? But we also found like people don't have a negative response towards it. Mm -hmm. So which means like, if you see something and you really hate it, it is much unlikely you go to learn the behavior from it. You, it is more likely you will try to avoid it. Right. If you see something you feel really gross, you will say that I don't want to do this. But if you see something first, it looks like, huh, uh, emotionally it's kind of positive. And although in the two minutes, remember in our study, the experiment is only two minutes, right? In a two minute study, uh, they see it, they didn't, re it re didn't really change their cognitive accessibility. But what if they watch 20 minutes? What if they watch two minutes each day? And we, we don't know that there is a possibility that maybe the low violence porn totally doesn't influence. That, that is great. Maybe people see it, but totally ignore it. But that's, I think, for the frequent porn viewers, that's, that's less likely to happen. The more likely to happen is when you repeatedly see it, it will change the social cognitive uh, the, the accessibility. You may not even realize that, but you may learn it. And like I said, when the situation is suitable, you may just do it. And even without you, you rationally thinking about why I do it. It's just like, maybe you buy a Pepsi, you never rationally thinking about why I love Pepsi. You just think, huh, the Pepsi seems like familiar <laughs> and I want to buy it. 
So that mm -hmm. is like very dangerous. And in fact, like uh, there are some like previous, like, I think I see some documentary say that uh, some women, they have those experience that when they're having sex with their uh, sexual partner, that's from nowhere, like he begin to like choke her. Mm -hmm. And it is not like he really intentionally to hurt her or anything. It's just like, maybe he feel, oh, this is the situation. So similar to, to those like porn I, I watched before and I just do it. And he even don't have this process of why I do it. They, they just do it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've definitely been coming across a lot of things, a lot of stories like that in my research as well, where the women will suddenly experience their partner doing some kind of violent behavior to them out of nowhere without maybe without asking their consent or anything like that and and thinking that that kind of behavior is influenced by porn so maybe i'll drop a relevant study on that in the show notes for our audience to check out if they're interested and certainly that makes sense to me what you say dr joe about how if that kind of low violence behavior isn't eliciting a negative response in the brain of the consumer and they're not even registering it as violence, then it could be possibly even more likely that they would proceed to go to that to, the, to their partner during sex because they think it's, it's normal, it's just a normal behavior. Uh, so thank you for those thoughts. Now, um, sorry for derailing you a little bit from talking through all your results. I just felt it was important to discuss the implications of that particular finding. Um, but now that we've discussed kind of the low severity violence, maybe you could go proceed to talk about how the high severity violence influenced the uh, the different metrics in the brains of the consumers. Yeah. So we see that the low violence one didn't really influence. So what really influenced is the high violence one. So first, high violence one make you uh, have more, more negative and less positive response to the video. For female participants, uh, the high violence one also make feel female uh, has less, like the worst uh, cognitive accessibility towards the sexual concepts, which makes sense. When there is high violence, women feel it's not sexual anymore. It's kind of gross. It's not mm -hmm. sexual anymore. So their their cognitive, the the, the cognitive uh, accessibility of sexual work decreases, right? Oh, for male, it is really interesting. So if the video is foreplay, which means didn't show the sexual intercourse and the violence is high severity. Male, similar to female, that they also have a very bad cognitive uh, accessibility towards the sexual concepts. Makes sense. But if it is an explicit video, which means it shows the sexual intercourse uh, explicitly, and at the same time, the video have high severity violence, men, in fact, even have a higher cognitive accessibility towards the sexual concepts. Higher than in the explicit videos with low severity violence or no violence. Yeah. Okay, so it's the violence that's doing the work there, not the level of explicitness. Yeah, yeah. So which means like when in the explicit video and also high severity violence happen, men feel like this situation is even more sexual than, than the no violence one, which is really interesting. It's kind of interesting, but very alarming there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Another interesting finding we have is like between the, uh, the, the association between the sex and the violence. We found like with the increase of the violence severity, especially when the violence severity is high, women begin to de-link the relationship between sex and the violence. Sorry, they begin to de-link like sex and violence 
are no longer connected in their head when it's high severity? Yeah, yeah. For male, it doesn't change. So male always have a very strong kind of implicit association between sex and violence, hmm. no matter which type of porn they're watching, it's always there. Hmm. Yes, yeah, so that is the, the major fund, funding of my dissertation. To what extent do you think that was influenced by previous pornography consumption? I know that in your dissertation, you measured the participants' previous pornography consumption as well. So did that have an effect? Uh, it has a, oh, in fact, it only has a very small effect. Uh, it doesn't affect the, the implicit memory. It doesn't affect, affect the implicit association. It do affect the people's um, emotional response. Okay. So at the very beginning, we found that male and female have a different uh, emotional response. Like male are more likely to respond more positive and less negative towards the pornography video than female. But then we add the pornography use into that model, the gender difference disappears. The gender difference totally disappears. And the uh, previous porn exposure has a main effect there, which means the more porn you watched before, before the experiment, the more likely you will have a more positive and a less negative response towards the, the porn video in the experiment. Including so, the, the violent porn videos. Yeah, including. Mm -hmm. Okay, so that's a pretty major finding because what you essentially found there is that pornography consumption over time is the main correlate for responding positively to violence. And of course, there's correlation or causation questions that come up. But if we're wondering about how pornography influence our attitudes, that's a pretty big hint. Yeah. So that means that... Um... So it is like for why before there's a gender difference, maybe only because like generally female watch less porn than male. So we see the gender difference. But for those female who watch also watch a lot of porn, as much porn as male, their emotional response to the porn are the same as the male. Yeah, and that's essentially why I originally asked about the previous pornography consumption, because Seeing that gender difference, of course, that could be just an inherent gender difference, or maybe it's something to do with the fact that typically from the stats, we know men consume more porn than women. So maybe it's really the porn that's having the influence here. That being said, however, on the note of potentially a more inherent gender difference, I read something else in your dissertation that I found interesting about a potential explanation from evolution for why we're seeing men associating sex with aggression more. Would you mind just summarizing that? Because I found that interesting as well. Yes. So, mm -hmm. so I first need to warn that the evolutionary psychology, many people in fact hate it because mm -hmm. it's kind of tell you that, yeah, it is human nature for men or female to do that. So uh, evolutionary psychology first, uh, it didn't say that every man think it in this way or every woman think in this way. It mm -hmm. only show a gender difference, means, which means averagely men are more likely to think in this way. Sure, yeah. more likely and the second nature doesn't mean it is good there are a lot of things that are nature but in fact they're not good so when we say that this might be something might be nature doesn't mean that uh that it is okay and uh, people don't need to change it because the nature basically is how how we are similar to the animals right but we are we of course still have some like animalistic, the, the, the future in our body, but we are still human beings. We, we know that that's not good and then we want to change it. So I, I need to say that first because- uh, Yeah, that for is, sure, thank yeah, you. <laughs> that is 
very easy to lead to controversial. So uh, evolutionary psychology basically say that uh, we human beings, in fact, use million years to become monkey towards human being. So in this, in this um, process, like we have a lot of strategies help us to, to survive, right? And to reproduce, which is also very important for the survive for, for the whole species. So that type of uh, evolution uh, process also influences our psychology. And when human beings have the modern society, at most for maybe 100 years, at most. So the short history of modern society doesn't, cannot really totally change the psychology we have developed for the, from the long history of the, the nature selection and sex selection. So that is a basic idea. And then the idea is men and women, uh, they have different strategies in mating because uh, the, the, the minimum parental investment for male and female are different. Mm -hmm. Think about where, where, when we were still monkeys. Monkeys, they have sex majorly for reproduce. So every monkey, no matter the male monkey or female monkey, they just want to have as many kids as, 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 as they can. But for male and for female, uh, the, the, the parental investment, in fact, is very different. For males, they only need to ejaculate and they finish the whole process of the, yeah. of the, the reproduce. So the more women they can have sex with, the more offspring they can have. Mm -hmm. But for female, uh, we need nine months to, to, to give birth to the baby. And when we were a monkey, we cannot say that, oh, I got pregnant, so I found a remote job and, and I stay at home and still make money. We cannot do that. So for a female monkey, when they have the baby, they need some male to, to take care of them and to take care of the baby. Because at the time, that they, they totally lose their, their labor to, to do anything. So make male more likely to choose a lot of female. Make female become really picky to choose male. And especially they want to choose the male with a lot of resource because they want to choose a male who not only would love to take care of her, but also have the ability to, care, to take care of her. Mm -hmm. So if we're thinking about the male's uh, strategy of as many women as they can, they can get, then they will use all the way they can do. They, they may persuade the woman, they may give the woman bananas as gift, right? <laughs> they, can, they can do everything. And the violence is one of the effective way. So for male, that they, they may not love aggression, but they may feel like in some situations, the sexual aggression is an effective way for me to get a woman. Especially what if the female monkey said that she doesn't want to have sex with me? The, the persuade or, or, or give gifts, those kind of things, it needs time, it needs resource, I, I even maybe not have it. The easiest way is just wound her and, and, and take her back to my cave. That is the easiest way. So we say that sexual aggression might not be a, a, a result of the evolution, but the byproduct of the evolution. It's just mm -hmm. an effective way. So that, that, that may uh, that, uh, explain the, the, the interesting difference there. Because when it's kind of in male spring, there is a switch. There is a sexual intercourse or like reproduce opportunity and there is not a reproduce opportunity. 
when in the foreplay situation, which means the sexual intercourse doesn't happen there. Mm-hmm. So they didn't see the, the real kind of reproduce opportunity there. You cannot, you cannot reproduce a baby by just foreplay. Mm-hmm. And at that time, it seems like they still feel, oh, aggression is a bad thing. So the more aggressive content you show me, the less I feel it is sexual. But when it is the explicit one, which means the sexual intercourse, the opportunity, the reproduction part is so clearly shown in the video. And the men quickly feel like, well, maybe I don't like it. Remember, men still have a negative response towards negative emotional response to the high, high violence video. But when it is in the explicit situation, they may feel like, eh, I don't really like it, but it seems like an effective way for me to catch this opportunity. So yeah. they still treat the, the aggression as kind of a way to get the, the mean, to get the the intercourse. So they still like combine this together and think like high violence, high severity is a very sexual situation. Right. Okay, cool. Well, thank you again for taking that little detour to explain the evolutionary psychology. I just thought it was something interesting that was mentioned in your dissertation. Uh, So are there any other findings from your study that you'd like to discuss with us? Another interesting finding we have is like, uh, because we passed their, their implicit memory to, towards both sexual concept and aggressive concept. And we found that in fact their aggressive concept has the memory of the aggressive concept has not been influenced at all. By the low severity violence. No, no matter, no matter across all the nine different types of videos. Oh, okay. There is no influence there. So which is very surprised at the very beginning, how can some people see a man punch a woman versus see a man only kiss a woman. Their implicit memory towards aggression is the same. And then we found it might be because, uh, because when we test their implicit memory towards aggression, we use the, the measurement from previous study about aggression. In, the, in this general aggression, so, so such as we show them the word like uh, stabbing or like murdering, bleeding, those kind of things. So those times they are not sexual aggression, they're just aggression. So which means sexual aggression and aggression might be two different parts in people's brain. So when people see sexual violence, it ignites their nodes related to sex, but not to violence. So sexual aggression for people is more sexual, but not violent. Mm. So does that make sense? It does make sense, yeah. I'm just wondering if maybe you could explain more clearly what the implications of that are. I know I read about it in your dissertation, but for our audience, why is it important to recognize that sexual aggression might be in a different part of the brain, so to speak, than than general aggression? So that, I think, sometimes explains the, the, the phenomena. You can see some, especially men, there are nice people in the real life. They don't go out on the street to fight with their friends or fight with their colleagues. But when they go home, they, they may beat their part, partner, they may beat their girlfriend, they may beat their, their, their wife. So you may feel like how that happened, like how nonviolent people in the, in the daily life become like such violent in the, in the sexual relationship. It is might because they don't feel sexual aggression is aggression. Mm-hmm. And when they grow up, they learn about aggression is bad. And they, our kids have a lot of those kinds of education of aggression is bad. Don't go to 
beat your your friend in the kindergarten and and get the uh, get get the toys. We learned that since we were very young. We have not been told that what is sexual aggression and how bad is sexual aggression separately, because we always think that it's kind of a taboo. We don't want to talk about it. And we assume that if we teach people don't beat a person on the street, they will learn don't beat their wife at home. But our studies show that maybe not. So we may need very specific sexual violence education to tell people like what is sexual aggression and why sexual aggression is so bad. Right, and that makes sense to me, especially if the violence within the romantic relationship is happening actually during the sex.、Um, I think there, it, it seems that there may be an easier connection between, you know, beating someone up on the street and just going home and beating your wife in the kitchen, for example. But but if what's happening instead of beating your wife in the kitchen is your、uh, punching or slapping or or choking your wife during sex, I think I, I can definitely see how that would be viewed as that is viewed as different in many people's minds today.、Um, And just like there used to be,、uh, as you mentioned, this taboo of talking about the domestic violence in the area of you know beating your wife just while she's standing in the kitchen, because that used to be seen as a private matter and something that society wasn't supposed to interfere with. This this is happening between the man and his wife, and now I think there's even a stronger taboo on talking about those kind of aggressive behaviors that are happening actually within sex because. There's this fear of kink shaming and stuff like that for people who, for whom that actually is what they like, and it's it's not an undesirable behavior. But、um, of course, there's a bleed over effect on people who who don't like that. And and if pornography is grooming all men to think that that's that's what all women want, then then yeah, I can see that being a problem. All right. Well, I see we're running close to the time we set aside for this interview. Dr. Joe, is there anything else you'd like to share with our audience, either about your dissertation specifically, or just in general your thoughts on this question of porn influencing aggression and the research that's been done in that area? Any final thoughts you'd like to leave us with? It's very interesting. In the past several years of me doing my porn research, I can see all like a. Paradigm shift there. Like five years ago, when I try to publish some like porn research, it's kind of if you don't say porn leads to violence, they will not publish your paper. <laughs> like sometimes, like I, I do a research just about porn and sexual behavior and sexual scripts, the reviewer will ask me like, why you don't talk about aggression? Why you don't talk about?、Huh. We don't want to publish paper because they don't talk about aggression. And the recent years is like、uh, because I I just published one paper recently talking about the relationship between porn and aggression through decriminalization, and and reviewer began to feel angry about why you think porn has an effect. Porn in fact doesn't really have an effect. It's all human being problem. That only those kind of already sexism and those kind of people they select to watch porn and they select to be aggressive towards people. So. Porn doesn't matter, but all the other thing matters. So I think that I, I am something like in the between. Like yes, like media never create a problem from from nowhere, because media reflect our society. But、mm-hmm. the media also can like uh make the problem even bigger、mm-hmm. or even more obvious. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I appreciate what you said about how. 
certainly media being a reflection of culture can't create a problem out of nowhere or, or usually isn't creating a problem out of nowhere. And I think pornography being a reflection of culture is especially true these days with the free tube sites where people are, anyone can upload anything, right? So in, there is a sense in which if what we're seeing on the porn sites is a lot of violence, it's because people seem to like violence for whatever reason in our society and are uploading that to the porn site. But also what you said, I do think as well, certainly it can be making the problem a lot bigger as more and more people... I think often also of kids who, you know, are looking up, I don't know, a, a sexually curious teenage boy looking up boobs or whatever, and not really knowing what he, what world he's going to be exposed to on the porn site. So certainly I think that it can also be uh, uh, increasing or inspiring these kinds of fantasies in people who wouldn't have gotten there without the current reality of the internet tube sites. So thank you so much for your thoughts, Dr. Joe. I really appreciate your time and good luck with the rest of your research. I look forward to reading more of your studies in the future.